Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Ports here on WDAY. This is the Rob Report. Your call-in numbers are 701-293-9000, That's toll-free. Email talk at WDAY.com or, heck, tweet me at Rob Port. Uh, let's see. Coming up a little bit later on the program, we've got uh, down before the legislature, there was a, a hearing today on legislation uh, to address refugee resettlement in the state of North Dakota. It does two things. Uh, number one, it requires additional reporting about, you know, official reporting about refugee resettlement. And I think that's been one of the big frustrations as we have talked about refugee resettlement in North Dakota is there seems to be a lot of question marks around impacts on communities. Um, I have heard for a long time from school officials who talk very, very quietly about this, uh, saying, you know, it's a hardship on schools, the unpredictability of it, the amount of resources that these students need. Uh, and what what frustrates them is that they, they don't feel like they can speak out publicly and candidly about a lot of the problems, because if they do, they're going to get bushwhacked. They're going to get attacked. They're going to be called racist, xenophobes, and everything else, which we can see from the reaction to this bill, because that's the first thing it does. Is it requires more reporting on on refugees and the impacts of the community. And two, it would allow local communities to petition the governor or allow the governor himself, her or herself, as the case may be, to issue an executive order to, to put a pause on resettlement. It is not a ban on resettlement. I think it would be unfair to characterize it as an attempt to stop resettlement. What it is is an effort, I think, to better understand resettlement and its impact on the state of North Dakota and communities and also provide officials with a tool that would allow them to, if need be, if need be, uh, essentially put a pause on, on resettlement. I, I think it's good policy. It, it is the debate about refugee resettlement from the get-go has been frustrating. I, I don't understand what people are so afraid about, right? Because they insist that refugee resettlement doesn't have the negative impacts that some people claim. They insist that refugee resettlement uh, is it's every everything about it is just is just great and and straightforward and wonderful and, and there are no no ill side effects. Uh, and 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 they say that that we shouldn't treat refugee resettlement differently or or talk about them differently or whatever things which by the way i would note we didn't seem to have any qualms about when it was oil development bringing people to the state of north dakota and we were more than happy to talk about the impacts of that in terms of you know crime drug use traffic safety we talked about those things endlessly during the the oil boom as well we should have it was a valid topic for debate so why then are the proponents of refugee resettlement, and I I, I say that, I, I don't think that everybody who's for this legislation is necessarily an opponent of refugee resettlement, but, but why are people who are opposed to this legislation, what are they so afraid of? What are they afraid that this reporting is going to expose? 
I mean, is, is, is that not a valid question? I mean, why, why shouldn't we report this data? If, if, if there's no negative impacts, then why not report this data? And if there are concerns that we're not reporting the right data or we're not pro, uh, you know, providing complete data, I, I think the Grand Forks Herald editorial this week made a very good point uh, saying that, that if we're going to count you know, the, the costs or, or, or the negative impacts of resettlement, we should also count the positives in terms of jobs filled and stuff like that. And I agree. Amend that into the legislation. But don't kill the legislation because we have a bunch of myopic people who, for ideological reasons, are, are unwilling to, to find any common ground on this issue. What do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see. We've got Ron on the line. Go ahead, Ron. Hello, Ron. Who just wants more light on the cost. Ron, start, start, start over. I, I, think, I, think we missed, uh, I think we missed the first party, what you had to say, Ron. Why don't you start over? Uh, I said you can put me in the classification of someone that just wants more light shined on yeah. this issue, both pro and con, because you know I've been I've been uh, one of these that's that I have contact with a number of the refugee settlement people. Uh, some of them are great people, some of them are not. Uh, just As like you society, would get with any group of people, you know, any group of people. Uh, Yet, when you talk to them, a lot of them feel like they've been just stuck now and that American dream is going away and they're being forced into a situation of government dependence for survival because they don't have access to the tools that they need that they were promised based on the initial uh, movement. And... You know, if if this bill can help expose some of those problems and maybe create a path to fixing it, I right. think it would go a long way in settling a lot of fears and misconceptions that are taking place about refugee settlement and things within the state. Exactly. You know, this is this is something that is exactly the perspective that that I take on this legislation. I look at it as. If, if if we measure it, uh, you know, if, if, if we if we you know pull out the, the, the rulers and, and the measuring stick and we measure the impacts and we measure what's happening and we quantify what ha- what's happening and we quantify it over time so that we can make comparisons and, and, and better understand what this impact is, that's to the good. And and I, I, I think the enemies of this legislation jump to the conclusion that it's about finding ways to stop resettlement. And I don't think that maybe maybe for some people that's that's true. I mean there's there's oh, some I people do, out there that, that, that just that don't that like it. I do think that that is the case for some people. For I'm some not going to kid myself or or try right. to paint it any other way, Rob. I do believe that there is a percentage of people that that this is their goal. But uh as a whole, I don't think our community as a whole uh Feels that way. I think more people probably feel like you and I do. Uh, they have a concern, and they don't have an ability to get an answer. And uh, I've been one of my my biggest pet peeves is 
Lutheran Social Services dodging of questions. And, you know, what is the cost? What, what are you doing? What do you do for these people after they've reached their tenure with your involvement? You know, are there community programs to continue and, and help these people? Uh, you can't just drop, you know, it'd be like me being dropped into the middle of Mexico and not being able to speak English. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, Spanish and only being able to speak English. And unless I right. find somebody that I can communicate with, I'm blind in a sense. You know, and you how can, do I acclimate put... into a culture? Yeah. How do I learn to, uh, to uh, what's right, what's wrong? I would be basically using my instincts, and if those instincts are honed based on a entirely different culture, you're going to have clashes and you're going to have uh, uh, problems, problems because of, of yeah. that. And that's Ron... why I feel that these people, a lot of them, have been shortchanged by the refugee program itself. Ron, I think you're exactly right. Thank you for the call. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. I'm exactly where Ron is at on this. I wouldn't even go so far as to say I have a problem with resettlement because the the difficulties that we face up front in transitioning some of those, those folks into our society, you know, by the time you get into the second, third generation are gone. I mean, we're bringing people, we're bringing, you know, diversity into our communities. Overall, it's a good thing, and it's something that I want to happen, both refugee resettlement and immigration. I want these things to happen. The thing is, is I want to measure their impacts. I want to understand what the impacts are, and I don't think that's racist. And, and it's, it is tiresome for people to, to claim that it's racist, to get up in arms, to get sanctimonious, as if the only possible motivation for wanting this information that this sort of legislation would make available, the only possible motivation is bigotry. That is so wrong, that is making this all so much more divisive than it has to be. Love to hear what you think, though. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Rob Report talking about House Bill 1427. It's legislation to, well, it does two things. It requires additional reporting on the impacts of refugee resettlement on our communities in North Dakota. Uh, and it also allows uh, local communities and or the governor to institute uh, a, a moratorium. Um, you know, essentially pausing uh, resettlement. So, I, I guess I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't see what the big deal is. I, I understand. Maybe some people are upset that that local communities, are, you know, will have the the authority if if they vote a certain way to to pause resettlement, or the governor will. Um, but you know, I mean, that's I, I I think we should trust elected people to to make that decision. I mean, if they're making that decision, obviously. You know, there's a level of concern in the community, and, and I think it's a tool they ought to have in their toolbox. Not necessarily, we're not giving them that tool so that we want, because we necessarily want them to use it. It's just a tool that goes along with, you know, the metrics to understand, you know, what what are the impacts 
on our communities. What is so wrong with understanding the impacts? It's, it's as though even asking the question or getting the information or gathering the information is somehow just off the rails. It doesn't make any sense to me. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Jim, you're on the line. What's up? Yeah, hi. A few things. You know, first of all, I'd like to know how the dialogue changed from, you know, um, these people wanting to come to our country, you know, for a better way of life to them demanding that they be brought into this country for a better way of life. And secondly, people must, they don't seem to realize the cost of these people. Good a lot of these people that come from these places like Somalia and those areas, they are ignorant. They have no education whatsoever. They have no idea how to even function in the modern world. Jim, I think, now, I think, now, I think you're making... how much that cost us to bring Jim, those people even up to, Jim, to I think you're making. Near, First world speed. I think it's. I think it's unfortunate. Listen, there are absolutely some challenges about bringing uh, refugees, the the quote unquote new Americans, whatever you want to call them, um, refugees, bringing them to the United States. There's absolutely there's challenges. There's cultural differences. There's language barriers. It's it's a challenge. I think it is unfair to paint them all as being uneducated or un- oh, I don't. I don't at all, my, uh, Rob, because I work well, you with just those did. people. And you find none of them have really any education. Really, I'm sorry, they, they don't have the system there, Rob. They don't have okay. the system. Well, Their kids don't even go to school. They are well, coming. They are certainly they're, 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 they're coming from places that are certainly not prosperous, peaceful places. That's the whole reason they're refugees in the first place. Okay, so um, why is so that obligation that to take them in? See, this is a big problem. Uh, you know, along with immigration, also. Um, First, we're taking in these people that cost us a fortune to bring them up to speed. And then even then, they're, you know, like you said, second or third generation until they really come around. Um, secondly, then we're, then we're not really, when it comes to immigration, we're not doing any of these countries in the world a favor because the best brains, the people who, who, who have any kind of uh, leg up in those societies, leave their society. Okay? So what does that leave their society with? A huge brain drain. A huge drain of leaders. I don't know. I think that's. I, I think. I think it's. Does, but we're not listen, doing their countries any Listen. Well, doing hope, hope, hopefully, though. Thanks for the call. Hopefully, those other countries uh, see their smartest, most talented people coming to America. That's great for America. If smart, talented people want to come to America and work here and enrich our communities, that's great. Uh, if other countries are losing them, hopefully they'll fix their countries and whatever's driving those people out. Hopefully they'll fix those problems. Uh, and maybe in the future people will be happy to stay there and we can all enjoy an overall peaceful global society. Um, I, I, listen, we have got to be careful, though, about I, – I, I do think it's a valid question to ask, what is our obligation to take in refugees? Because we take in well, – I think under President Obama it was something well, just a little under 100,000 a year or something like that. There are, there are probably what tens of millions, hundreds of millions maybe of people around the world who are living in poverty – living in, in, in terrible political situations, uh, do we have to take them all in, right? I mean, how, how do we pick and choose? And, and why don't we talk more about what we're doing to, 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 to use our, our diplomatic power or economic power or, or what have you to make life better back where they're from so that instead of needing to come to the United States, maybe they could stay at home and have an improved sort of life there. Um, you know, I mean... Refugee resettlement, uh, you know, again, I'm not against it, but there are bigger questions here that don't get asked very often. 
701-293-9000-888-970-9329. John, you're up next. Hi. Say, uh, you know, uh, Seth Corn had an issue about it, and it was noted on, I think, Channel 6 sometime about four months ago. And then at the Holiday Inn, he had the same issue came up, which I was there, which I had uh, great issues and concerns. Um, I, I think it's great that <clears throat> that we have, you know, refugees that want to come here and want a future and an education. It's, it's a known fact that the education is, is next to nil for them. But we also have to face the facts. Like you said, you have a hard time with this. We've seen the refugees over in Europe, and look what's become there. Yeah. Europe has had, okay. Europe has had real uh, problems. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing. This is what people see, because what they see over there is going to happen here. Now, they can say one thing and do another, but reports that I have from Homeland Security in 2014-2016 is a whole new different ballgame. Even with Peter King, which was a former uh, chairman for Homeland Security, and he has also reported to Congress about refugees. But ISIS posing as refugees. They're here. They've been here for a long time. Now, we can yeah. go back and forth and all this stuff, and they can say, no terrorists, you know, whatever, do something like that. They do, because it's a tool. I and the other tool that they use is fear. Okay, And this is what it is. John, let me, let me, I, I gotta, we got to go to a break, so i I got to cut you off there. I, I just want to make two points in response to what you're making. First of all, I don't know that we're ever going to be able to screen people who come into this country thoroughly enough to detect, you know, what acts of extremism they may or may not commit when they get here. I think that's an impossible task. Two, I think what we've got to do is have as much data as possible to understand the impacts of resettlement. Try to welcome as many people here as we're, we're capable without harming ourselves economically or, or what have you. And, and three, generally try to promote better conditions across the world so that we're not stuck in a situation where, you know, we have to we have to take in refugees from all over the world. Let's try to improve conditions so that maybe they can stay in their own part of the country. If they want to come here and they want to live here and they want to be Americans, great. But we've also got to address the situation that's driving some of them here that, that maybe don't want to be here, would prefer to stay home, but they're kind of forced to come here. It's complicated. But in terms of this legislation, and we're going to talk with Chad Peterson. He's the chairman of the Cass County Commission. He's going to be on the show next. He was testifying in favor of this legislation in Bismarck today. We'll hear from him. So this discussion is going to continue. Your phone call, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on WDAY, 701-293-9000, That's the toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. Tweet me, too, at Rob Port, if you like. 
You know, we've been talking about this legislation uh, before uh, the State House of Representatives that had a committee hearing today. It's House Bill 1427, introduced by State Representative Chris Olson. He's a Republican from West Fargo. Uh, it would do two things. It would require uh, reporting on refugee resettlement in our communities in the state of North Dakota, uh, and it would also allow uh, local communities to petition the governor to uh, to, to, to stop refugee, put a pause, a moratorium on refugee resettlement, or and it would also allow the governor to do that uh, unilaterally with, with an executive order. Uh, so all that, that's House Bill 1427, uh, and someone who was down there to testify on it today is Cass County Commissioner and uh, Chairman of the Cass County Commission, Chad Peterson. Uh, Chad, welcome to the program. Mr. Ford, how are you? Doing good. Uh, tell us what happened today. Well, uh, we testified for a bill, uh, and I think what you suggested is right. There's actually one more aspect to it. It actually creates a more formalized plan for Lutheran Social Services, local government, state government, in terms of how we're actually setting up the refugees, where they're going, and how they're going to be taken care of. For right now, it's sort of LSS does their job, but the nuances of how they do their job aren't necessarily spelled out as much as some of us might like to see. So there's no real rock-solid logic, and maybe some would be convinced in saying, oh, that's, that's overthinking things. Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, a spreadsheet or a, you know, a one, two, three, four, five, six order of lists uh, of how this is getting done. Right now, there's really nothing that we know about. 701-293-9000, if you want to join the program with comments or questions, 888-970-9329. Um, it, it, tell us what, I mean, in, in terms of this legislation, you supported it, right? Why, why do you support yeah. this legislation? Well, it, people want to turn this bill into something far more than it is. Uh, what it is, it's simple data gathering and accountability. And we're all in the government, and I know people are often concerned about how long it takes government to do things, uh, the sort of methodology we use. But when we have no starting point, it's hard for us to guess on an ongoing basis of what's next. So right now, if we ask Lutheran Social Services uh, how many people do they anticipate coming in next year, they'll give us an estimate. Uh, and we just learned through the last administration switch they actually pushed more people through uh, before uh, Mr. Trump, President Trump, took office. But there's no baseline as to how and why they're coming to Fargo, how and why people are going to Bismarck, and how and why they're going to Grand Forks. It's sort of arbitrarily done because... We have a lot of people in Fargo, therefore we get a lot of refugees in Fargo. It's easier for LSS to manage them. And like I said, I think the gathering of data is a good thing because it's going to give us a baseline, and especially for people long-term. You know, I'll be eventually out of office whether I get voted out or I get turned out. The people can go back very easily 10 years from now, if this bill passes, and find out where LSS was, and they can better understand how we've gotten where we are 10 years from now. Right now, I've got no data. I've got no understanding of how we got where we were or how we got where we are and even where we were. That's that's troublesome in government. So what sort of things does this legislation require the reporting of? Well, it's things like, do you have a job? Uh, have you been arrested? Are your kids in school? It's really not that complex of information, uh, I don't think. Of course, the agencies, and, and it will cost county government a little bit of money, too. So it's not as though this is all being uh, delegated to LSS or whoever 
the agency, the state fix, whether it's the state or LSS or some other organization. It's going to cost some costs for government, but we again, it's about data gathering, creating a history, something we can learn from over time. I, it's that sounds very common sense to me. I mean, I mean, it's because it is, is sir. Well, yeah, well, from the beginning, I, I've always wondered, you know, why can't we have? And I, I don't really have a problem with refugee resettlement. We're helping them out. I, I think, in the long run, although there's there's obviously some challenges in, in the initial transition. In the long run, I think it benefits our communities. I, I just don't understand why measuring the impacts is is this this thing that that makes people so angry. I mean, are do you feel that there are impacts that they're afraid will be exposed th- through this reporting? I don't, that's a fair question, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, I guess I'd agree with you. I really don't know all your political leanings. I, I know you're right, but I don't know how you feel about specific instances. But um, let me just show you my perspective. My perspective is basically what you just said. And I said this during my testimony, too, and it, it should be clarified again. People want to turn this into something that's not. And what I said during my testimony today was, Nobody I work with and nobody I serve in office with wants to stop this program. And this frustrates some people on, I'm right-wing crazy, so this frustrates some people on my side of the fence when I say if someone wants to blow something up, what they're going to do is they're going to buy a plane ticket to Mexico City and walk across the border. They're not going to go through 18 months or however many years of vetting. I mean, they might, but chances are there's much easier ways to do bad things in a more timely fashion at a great at a great lesser expense. It's just easier to do things like that. So I think that I, I, I'm really struggling to think that this is a bad idea. Uh, refugees, they're not bad people. They're not lazy. They're not coming here to take our jobs. It's something as simple and mundane as can we afford the numbers of people we're coming in? Right now there's no economic data as to what this actually costs. We know, I'm going to give you an example. So at Cass County, we have a, uh, before a legislative hearing, we typically have a legislative briefing. And, and cut me off, Mr. Port, if I'm talking too much or talking about the wrong thing, I'm just going to kind of babble, if you don't mind. Uh, we had a legislative briefing in December before we started the session. Our, our social services director reported this last swath of folks that came through cost us about $170,000. That's just staff time. That doesn't include what we paid for desks. Post-it notes, paper clips, photocopies, things like that, and the, and the building we have to house the people in. That also means that we paid for the people the year before, because chances are these folks are not going to go off economic assistance anytime soon. My happy world would be where their kids get off it. Their kids become doctors, lawyers, scientists, engineers, and then their kids are then taken care of on in perpetuity. But chances are the first generation is going to struggle a little bit, so in my mind, again, just generalizing, it's doubtful these refugees are going to go off economic assistance in a year or two or three or four. So that dollar figure compounds for Cass County. And this is our property taxes. If the state takes it over, it's going to be funded through income tax probably. But right now, this fund is, is taken from our income, our property taxes. That's how we hire our employees. That's how we make our buildings bigger. So that's a direct subsidy out of pocket of anybody within, in this case, Cass County. Let me let me ask you this question because you said that that there was going to be some costs if if we put these reporting requirements in place. Obviously, somebody's got to do them. Drill us down a little bit. What are the costs? What are the implications for that? Well, two costs. First, and this is a good thing. It's going to make me work harder. What's going to happen is we're going to establish a committee, uh, and everybody you know it makes fun of committees, but I. 
they've served their place. <laughs> so it's going to form a committee that's going to force the involvement of local governments. Now, could they, uh, you know, not show up to the meeting, I suppose so. But my, my dream would be the state of North Dakota, Department of Human Services, works with Cass County, works with Fargo, West Fargo City Commissions, works with school boards, and you could include Castleton if you wanted to, if you want to be holistically in your, in your thinking in Cass County. Uh, whoever wants to be on board as an elected official should have a say and should be, I, I don't want to say forced, but I think forced to go to these meetings because right now people are, and maybe I'm not being fair, but I think people are afraid to do what I did today for fear of being called a racist and a bigot and a, all the other names. So they don't show up at these meetings. They don't speak their mind. They talk about it in back corners and back offices and just let things go because we're North Dakota nice. We don't want to make anybody mad. And this isn't about making people mad. It's about doing the right thing. And I think that if this thing, if this bill was for, you know, I don't know what, say segregation for lack of a better word there too, if it was for doing something wrong and doing something bad, None of us would be supporting it. It wouldn't even be in the House. It never would have gotten this far. It'd be sitting on some extreme website somewhere that someone can look up on YouTube or Google. Uh, back to your main point, though, in terms of the cost, it's going to cause more work for our social service employees in terms of tracking people. Uh, to what degree can social services maintain their efforts after their funding stops? Well, it's probably pretty minimal, because after a year, the refugees aren't refugees anymore. And I think it's five years they, they can, be, they can uh, attempt to become citizens. So at what time does LSS's job stop and the county take over? I don't know. And that's what I'm thinking there's going to be a cost. And it's not a million dollars, but there's some number there. Someone's going to have to do some, some accounting or actuarial work to make sure all the data is being kept up and stuff. Sure. And stuff. I think it's worth the investment. Again, it's a, a, a lot of that. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that, once the concept passes, is just sitting down and understanding, okay, well, this is how we're going to define these parameters and, and, and produce the data so that we can go back, as you said, in 10 years and say, okay, how do we get to here? What are the trends? Yep. It's information, and, and information, I think, is 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 good. Um, last, last, last question, because I I, I, I I think you kind of touched on something, and it's it's I hear from a lot of local officials, not necessarily elected officials or, you know, top of the top of the payroll issues more rank and file type people who say there are challenges to this there are costs to this that don't get understand and they're understood and they're afraid to, to talk about them because politically that's that could be dangerous to do they don't want to be targeted for outrage or, or some of the hatred that that we've seen people like that targeted with they just want to, to to say you know there is a cost there is a real impact here down where the rubber hits the road. I look at this legislation as maybe allowing the information that those people are talking about to get out without necessarily putting them at risk. Is that a fair way to look at this? I'd like to hope that's going to be the result. It's still going to take them being, and I, I hate to say this, it's going to take them being brave enough to come out and say, oh, by the way, you forgot about this cost over here. You forgot about this cost over here. And, and what I've said a thousand times is all the pennies add up into a mountain. And we, as a society, need to do the right thing. We need to, what I've said in talking, I think about, I've said it on the radio or on TV, or I know I've said it in public, Americans are the people that ride in on the white horse and save the day. We're the good guys. We need to keep being the good guys. But we also need to understand there's a, there's a reality to this. Uh, I said on 
uh, the gentleman's radio show right after you, uh, I said I would love to see the Chinese living in McMansions driving Cadillac Escalades. All of them. There'll be What a dream that would be if we raised the bar for everyone. But chances are that's not realistic, and not in your lifetime or my lifetime or my kid's lifetime. But we need to help out the people we can help out and understand there's just going to be a limit to this. We can't help everybody in the world, even though we'd love to. It's simply not an economic reality. It's better off, and this is going to get into national politics now for a second, if I may, it'd be better helping lift the boats in the other countries than import everybody here. Well, you know, I, 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 I think, I I think that's that, right. And that's, that that's good. Well, nobody has to come here anymore. We're, yeah. we're all on an equal playing field. What a dream I, that would be. I, I think I think that's great. I don't know. Unfortunately, you know, our our influence overseas extends only so far. But I I, I think in terms of how I can't even get North Dakota fits into the sport. picture. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 you know, and how North Dakota fits into the mix. I, I think what this allows us to do is understand how many people can we realistically help, and yep. and 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 allow us to to maybe shape our assistance in in ways that that, that are as efficient and effective as possible because. That's what we should be doing with this sort of information. Uh, Commissioner and Peterson. A, a much, and my hope is it's going to create a much stronger connection between, in this case, LSS, whoever the state picks to do this, the state and local government. I, I think this could be a wonderful thing, and it should be a wonderful thing. I think you're right. Uh, thanks for the time. We're out of time. we got to go. Thank you, uh, Commissioner All right. Peterson. See you, sir. That's uh, Cass County Commissioner Chad Peterson. More to come straight ahead. We'll wrap up the show. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. do go away. Here we uh, went a little long with Commissioner Peterson, but listen... The larger point here is that we can do refugee resettlement in North Dakota better. We can serve the refugees better. We can serve our communities better. We can create an overall better situation with data. That's what this legislation does. Does it also give local officials and ultimately the governor the authority to perhaps pause, put a stop on resettlement if it comes to that? Yes, it does. And they should have that tool. The rep, the elected representatives of the people should have that tool in their toolbox so that if they need to use it, they can. Because the one thing that we are not helping, we're not helping anybody. We are not helping anybody, refugees or North Dakotans, by taking in more people than, than, than we can absorb. By taking in more people than our schools can handle or our social service programs can handle. We're not helping anybody by doing that. We need to make sure that the number is appropriate. We need to make sure that we understand what those impacts are. So much of this debate over refugee resettlement in North Dakota has been based on ignorance on both sides. People who really don't know what the impacts are because they're very murky, because the data is simply not there. And to the extent that people have tried to to, to provide the data, tried to provide the information, it's been very superficial. It's just been sort of blanket assurances that there's no problems. When we don't know, I, we haven't done the work. So this is it. I, if, if, if we want to have, and, and we have a governor in Doug Burgum who has said he very much believes in data-driven government, right? Very much believe doing more with less, 
getting innovative, getting creative. That's been the call from Governor Doug Burgum. I think this legislation meets that call. I hope they pass it. Well, that's it for this week. I'll be back Monday. For now, you're going over to Jay Thomas. He'll take you uh, two to five. Remember, you can catch me here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not here. You can catch me on the blog, sayanythingblog.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m., right here on WDAY. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Ciao,